Hey guys, welcome to the newest episode of Untucked. Today we are going to talk about goals and uh, specifically unattainable goals and how we could have handled that, um, how, how we handle that part of our process. We're going to discuss separating sports by sex. And finally, we're going to talk about IQ tests, standardized testing, and whether or not it has a place. Uh, hope you enjoy. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own, and they do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome to episode 73 of Untucked. This is Megan. And Mike. And this is Jeff. You guys are familiar with the Rhode Island School of Design. RISD. RISD. Do you know what their mascot is? Uh, no. No. It's a penis. His name is Scrody. Literally, their call sign is Gonads. <laughs> do you freaking believe that? Are, do they have sports teams? I have no idea. I don't think you need a sport team to have a mascot. You don't? What? What would be the purpose? Just to be like Just your... to, to have some kid oh, dressed so up. You, you don't have a sports team and then you're going to just choose to be the... Look, we're, we're taking a tangent here. I don't okay. know if they have a sports team. They might. Regardless if they have a sports team or not, their mascot's name is Scrody. Huh. Here's to nads that don't shrink in the cold. <laughs> Go Nats. Oh, oh, they have a hockey team. There you go. A person costumed as a penis serves as the mascot. Wow. <laughs> Let's see if I can find a picture. I'll throw a fun fact at you. <laughs> oh. Did you know that for every person on the planet, every human on the planet, 7, 8 billion, whatever it is, there are 2.5 million ants. <laughs> I did know that actually. You did? I did, yeah. That is disgusting. Yeah. It's a lot of ants on it's a, this. It's a lot of ants, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so like, do I have to come prepared with a fun fact now? No, next no, time? No. <laughs> I think rats in the state of in the city of New York outnumber humans by like twenty to one, some ridiculous number. I don't like these kinds of fun yeah, facts. I prefer gross. the penis mascots. Okay, a- any more fun facts to add? No. That's all I got. All right, Jeff. The floor is yours. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> you are currently a Phillies fan, are you not? No. You said you're watching oh. once they get into the playoffs. No, no. Same Ooh. rule with the Sixers. They have Sixers have to be in the conference finals, and the Phillies have to be in the, um, what do they call it, the N- NL. NLCS. I I don't think that's what you said. No, I've always said that. We'll go back to the tapes. We might have to. (laughs) Not the first round. Stay out. Not the first round. I don't want you. We don't want you. (laughs) Phils are in the playoffs. What was interesting is last night they got crushed. Uh, I think that was obviously they went out pretty hard the night before. Everyone was blacked out. Yeah, yeah. So here's my take on the Phils. There's still like positioning issues. They can mm. play the St. Louis Cardinals, which is likely to happen. Oh, no, they're playing the Cardinals. Oh, it's official? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it came out already. I guess because maybe the Padres won yesterday and we lost. There was no way for us to jump the Padres. Okay. Yeah, they play 
Friday, Saturday, the Sunday. Cardinals Friday. Yeah, Saturday. So it's best of three, right? Best of three, yeah. Oof. First of two. So there was a chance they could have played the Mets. And I was like, let's do it. Yeah. Let's play the Mets. Like in a three-game series, take game one, anything can happen. Um, no, I like their chances against St. Louis. We're going to have our starting pitchers aligned, Wheeler, Nola, and I think probably Ranger Suarez, if not Zach Eflin. I don't know if Zach Eflin will be ready to go. Mm-hmm. So they got a legit chance. I mean, Nola just pitched a no-no through like six innings into the seventh inning. I mean, he had a great out- outing, his last outing. So they're in, baby. Should be fun. Eagles are 4-0. and Eagles are 4-0. and I like that pivot. <laughs> yeah. You had them winning like 16 games this year? I think I said I, – I think I said 11 I think you six. were 11, yeah, and we were 10. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. They look pretty legit. Yeah. Jalen looks legit. The the effect of having AJ Brown on the on the field is Yeah. I had no idea how good he was at football. The ripple effect? Oh God. (laughs) He's a monster, man. He's an absolute beast. Yeah. So they have the Cardinals on Sunday in Arizona, I believe. You're correct. Thoughts? How do you feel? Kyle Murray? Kyler Murray? Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz, yeah. Uh, I like their chances. <laughs> I, I mean... Can you name another player on the on the Cardinals? Is Larry Fitzgerald still on the Cardinals? <laughs> no. I don't even think he's in the league anymore. Uh, no, I cannot, which is why I don't have a lot of thoughts. Yeah. I mean, they're due for a loss, right? I mean, they, they looked like they were going to... Lose to Jacksonville. Lose the other day yeah. in the first half or first quarter. But they got it together. I, you know, I mean, they're not going to go 17-0. and 0. They're not going to go 17-0, and 0, Jeff. I mean, I have them winning the Super Bowl now. So. <laughs> I saw on Twitter somebody bet the Phillies to win the World Series, the Sixers to win the NBA championship, and the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. A $25 wager with a $500,000 payout. Oh, my gosh. If I would have taken that in a heartbeat. Yeah. You probably can't make it anymore because I don't right. even know if the Phillies were – they weren't in the playoffs at that point. <clears throat> Can you imagine if the Phillies, like, for in some Just back to the planet, Phillies. won the World Series and you had that bet? And then you have, like, unbelievable season by the Eagles, and they win the Super Bowl, and then you have the Sixers lose in the second round. <laughs> Can you imagine? That's <laughs> <laughs> nah, uh, it's a it's a good time for Philly sports right now. Yeah. So, Flyers. When do they start? Uh, next week. They're, yeah. They're as bad as advertised, I think, so far. Um, was it you that hurt. was telling me that they look just as bad as you yeah. thought they would look? They're they're hurt. A lot of their guys are hurt again, yet again. It just never fails this this, this team. Coots is out like for the season, right? Mm, not sure. They're, I mean, they're not saying his like second or third back surgery. It's just an undetermined timeline, week to week, whatever that means. Week to week, he's having back surgery. No, he's not having surgery. Oh, he's not. No. So that's maybe good news, but well, whatever. Ryan Ellis was the same thing last year. It's just amazing, like. You know, there's a few young guys that are trying to make the team third or fourth liners. 
and it's you know you're questioning like oh is is this guy gonna crack the lineup and it's like this is one of the worst teams in the league and if if you're, you're talking about guys who are maybe not good enough to make the Flyers third or fourth line they're not very good yeah <laughs> they're so out talented it's not even funny it's just not even it's not even funny All right, well we can't we can't go week to week of doing a podcast of just talking about how bad they are what are they going to do about it like is there any is there anything they can do realistically not really because if you're trying to blow up your team and get rid of high priced guys nobody wants them or nobody will take their contracts at least can you just lose and then you'll get Connor Bedard or something like that? Not guaranteed. The, the lottery is like you might maybe it's a forty percent chance. I think if you're so, the worst team in the league, your lottery chance is forty percent. Something like that. It's not. It's not a lock at all. Ugh. it's more of a lock in basketball, right? Yeah. Yeah, they changed it all so that you're not purposely tanking and all that. But thank you, Sixers. <laughs> right. Right. Um, that's. The, I, I mean, the question is a good one, but unfortunately, the answer is like. Not a lot you can do. Full blow up, you could in theory, and that's ugly too, but you've got the ownership who's not on board with that. How many years until they can be viable again? Minimum, excuse me, minimum three. Oh, that's rough. It's my opinion. Like they don't, do they even have a guy to build around? Carter Hart, the goalie. Anybody who skates out? No, I mean it's it's anybody who might be that guy is um, a teenager and is not on is not playing pro hockey yet. Yeah. So all right, so we'll check back. Provorov with the Flyers. was was supposed to be that guy talking about future Norris trophies. He's horrible. Yeah, he was bad last year, and he looks to be just the same. So you've watched preseason hockey? I have. <laughs> <laughs> Love to see the ratings on that. It just, Mike says, it just says Mike Trainer. Have you watched any of the Sixers? Um, I watched a little bit of their game the other night against Brooklyn. Ben Simmons. Um, Joe didn't play. James Harden didn't play. And Ty- Tyrese Maxey was like the best player on the floor. How did he look? Kevin Durant and Kyrie. Tyrese? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Matisse looked decent, which I hate to say. Um Tobias like shot a wide open three and didn't hesitate, and I was like, if he could do that twice a game, sure, I'll be s- slightly more okay with his absurd contract. Uh, yeah, I guess they start in like two weeks. Okay. Um, obviously, expectations are very high. Um, do you, are they going to add another piece this season? Not to start. Yeah. This is the roster that'll get them through the first half of the year. So who's the short, he's not short, but he's shorter and wider guy that they added from? P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker. Is he like our sixth man or is he a starter? Um, I think they're probably going to go Harden, Maxi, um, and then probably P.J. in the three, Tobias in the four, and Joe in the five. Okay. And then they signed this kid, D'Anthony Melton, from Memphis, who's a really nice 3 and D guy. So he could be in place of P.J. Tucker. Um, 
I just think he's going to take more time to get into the system. He's much younger. I think he played at Memphis for like two years. Like I think he's still on his rookie deal. P.J. Tucker's just been in the league forever, so there's not going to be as much of a learning curve. Yeah. Um, but that's flexibility that they haven't had in a long time to be able to like manipulate the lineup in a good way okay. <laughs> based on who they're playing. Um, yeah, so we'll see. Try not to get too excited too early but we're wildly excited about the eagles yeah we are you're wildly excited about the phil i wouldn't say why I'm, I'm happy they made the playoffs after 11 years true um i mean i don't think they're gonna go anywhere <laughs> yeah. a three-game series i think is anybody's game i don't care who they're playing mm-hmm. um when you have bats like we have and pitchers like we have for those two or three games if they make it out of the second or the first round great I don't know if they'll get much further, but it's baseball, so anything can happen. Yeah. Um, Sixers, I'm stoked about. Yeah. And the Flyers, I don't think we talk about on this podcast for another year or two. (laughs) Mike, you might have to become a Sixers fan. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You want to get into it? Let's do it. So for Coach's Corner today, we're going to talk about goals and specifically unattainable ones. Um, most of our plan- financial planning discussions begin with goals. We ask clients to describe to us their hopes and their dreams. And it's often one of the more rewarding parts of our process is hearing these conversations begin that way and then seeing seeing those goals achieved. Um, however, it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes goals are unattainable for any number of reasons. Um, I recently had a conversation with a client who um, – has a particular goal relating to real estate, wants to sell her her home and and move somewhere else. But her husband just completely disagrees. It's not what he wants for a a lot of reasons. So those are some of the situations that we're presented with, right? Partners not not necessarily agreeing, but then there's the types of goals that are just not feasible from a financial standpoint. So today we'll kind of talk about how we handle those situations um, and then often, or ultimately how they it ends up kind of moving forward I, I i liked your commentary on this i mean the the goals part is very rewarding it's one of my favorite parts i love being in one of that first one of those first meetings and asking people like what their goals are and it's amazing how many people struggle with it oh, i mean yeah. they, they really don't have or it's like i want to get really great returns okay well we have to really kind of get more granular about your goals like what you know, do you really want to accomplish? I want to have 30,000 bucks in my kid's 529 plan. I want to have a million bucks by the time I'm 50. I mean, just, I want to go to Banff or wherever that place is that you guys were talking about the other day. Um, you know, I want to, I want to do date night with my, with my, my partner three times a month and be able to afford that. I mean, that's, I love hearing people kind of rattle through that stuff. I can remember with one younger couple that we met with um, when they do that exercise and they really vibe off, vibe off each other. I mean, they actually like high fived each other. (laughs) Um, But sometimes we do have those people that come in and it's like, I want to retire when I'm 60. And it's like, they have no money. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of times where we have to kind of be that bad guy or got bad person and say, um, you know, it's going to be really difficult unless you change your lifestyle, unless you save X, Y, and Z way more than you're doing now. 
And even then, it's going to be difficult. And I feel like it's a flip of a coin. I don't know how you guys feel that those clients will either respond receptively or we, we just don't hear from them again. Uh, yes, I I agree. I think the the stage of the relationship with the client matters a ton, right? Oftentimes when we start these engagements, the the, the goals that are just not doable, like that's where I think the, com- the, the relationship can pretty much end, right? Where it's like, if you're not telling me what I want to hear, I don't want to pay you for your advice, even though that's not how it should work. I, I think there's other examples where we've had experience with people and while we're still looked at as maybe the bad guy, right? The bearer of bad news or not so good news. Um, you know, they value our advice. They're coming to us with, you know, the idea or the hope that we, we, we can be, we can fill that role of not just being yes people. And it, it sucks when it's relating to things they want to accomplish, but we've also been doing this long enough to sometimes be able to spin it, right? Okay, maybe it's not the house in Florida that you can afford, but you know what? You could realistically rent for a month there every winter, right? Is is that sufficient in in making you feel like we're, you know, there's some sort of element of what you're trying to accomplish. So I think the type of relationship, the standing of the relationship that we have matters a little bit in terms of, of the outcome. Yeah, I think um, it's funny. Sometimes you, you with people's unrealistic goals, you, you say to yourself, how do you not know this, that this yeah. is not possible? How, like what, what facts are you operating with here? Because it's very evident, right? If you just look at the conditions on the field and like somebody who says I want to retire in two years and they have nowhere near enough or in some cases they'll have they'll have done like the spreadsheet jockey thing where they just plug in numbers with an assumed you know withdrawal rate and return and it works out and it's like no that's not life that's not reality the market's not going to deliver eight percent a year every year from now till till you know you're 90. And in fact, it could be way, way, way worse than that. And let's show you. And this is why, like, retiring at 60 is is idiotic. That's what I get a lot of. Like, I can think of a specific client right now who, when we met them, they were, I mean, I remember it very clearly. We we have a million bucks. We know we need, like, 40,000 a year from that. I mean, I know if I just divide a million by 40, it's like 25 or 30 years. And I was looking at them like, it just doesn't work that way. I mean, unless, first of all, you're not indexing the 40 for inflation. Markets don't go up in a straight line. And they had a very difficult time wrapping their heads around that concept. I mean, I guess I could have said, yeah, sure, you don't need us. Just put the million in your money market and you'll probably run out of money by the time you're 78. I don't think that would have been very suitable for me to do that. Um, so I get that a lot. That just they, they don't really have conceptually how the numbers work and how this whole like plan works. Yeah. And I mean, specifically when it's someone who's absolutely reliant on whatever they've saved and invested to generate the income, you know, it's um, just, so, it's, it's funny how different there's, there's really to me, two very different types of people that we work with, right? It's that it's someone who we're helping figure out the income plan under all kinds of different scenarios and, plan B and plan C and all that 
Um, and it's very like labor intensive on an ongoing basis when things change. And then there's the other that never touches it, mm-hmm. never will, doesn't have to, unless there's some, you know, calamity. Um, like the difference between those two client types is like just night and day, night and day. I mean, it's kind of like being captain obvious here, but, um, getting back to the unrealistic goals, it's. To me, it's always the former. It's the one who's going to be really putting pressure on their whatever they've saved and want to do too much or spend too much um, or just can't. You're not going to make all these. Um, you're not going to uh, jump through all these hoops in the perfect way that you yeah. you think you are. We have another client that has like a, a couple million dollars, like three or four million bucks. And one of their goals is like we don't want to ha- we don't want to see it continue to grow and have five, six, seven million dollars when we die. We want to be able to use it while we're alive and gift to our kids. Where do you draw that line where it's like that's kind of an unrealistic goal? I got to make sure you don't run out of money and don't give away too much money at first. Would you consider that like an unrealistic goal as well? And how would you like how do you try to balance that one? I think. The, I wouldn't say it's unrealistic. I think it's it's got to be approached very in a very fluid fashion, right? It's it's not something that we can by any means guarantee will happen on any sort of regular basis. But okay, if that's the goal, we want to help facilitate the best we can. When markets are killing it, like, yeah, those are going to be the years where you gift and you see your your goal kind of happen. Um, and then there's going to be other years where we got to be a little bit tighter to the vest and we have to be a little bit more conservative. And I think for people like that who want to give away their money as much as we advocate for it, we have to remind them that they're our priority. So we have to provide guardrails around just giving it away. Yeah. And there's going to be hopefully over a long retired time horizon, a lot of years where they get to do that pretty freely and without a ton of concern. And then there's going to be a few years in between all of those where, no, you can't write the kids a $20,000 check for Christmas this year, right? It's like, you got to, <laughs> you can't do it. Um, so I think as long as it's, if expectations are maybe managed in the sense that we hear you, you can do this. It just might not be in the very kind of, um, in the box way you're thinking, we just have to be a little bit more creative about it. Yeah, well, and when it comes to kind of unrealistic goals, I think people get anchored on their, those, those things. Like the one client I was referring to, they probably in the in the back of their minds were always like, "We just got to get to a million bucks." Yeah, and then they got there, but that took like 20, 30 years, and a lot has changed over that time. And then the other client who's like, "I want to move into that neighborhood or that retirement community." okay, you just don't have enough money and you and like you can't just be anchored on that. You need to set some realistic goals from the beginning and engage with someone who can make sure that you can attain them or not attain them and then be honest with you that you just can't do it. Yeah, and, and I think too, it's like there's got to be some self-awareness, right? Like it can't just be, you, you can't be surprised every time you present something that's off the wall, <laughs> That people that, that were like, well, no, if you couldn't afford this, then you probably can't afford something that costs the same amount of money in a different location or in a different version of that, right? Like, I, I think hopefully through education and through our ongoing process, people get a sense for, okay, like, 
where do I fit? Where do some of these extra things, you know, come into play? What what of these really makes sense? Because as much as it's our job, they're also they're we're talking about adults, right? Who have to take some responsibility for the way that they think about their money. And we're not magicians, right? We can't just like make shit happen, right? Um, so I, I I think the majority of the responsibility is on us, but there's got to be some self awareness sure. on them. Yeah. All right, moving on to a quite different topic. <clears throat> Separating sports by sex doesn't make sense. This is from the Atlantic. Written by Maggie Mertens. Maggie's article calls to question the standard separation of youth sports based on sex. Girls compete with and against girls. Boys compete with and against boys. Maggie's point, however, is that this shouldn't be the way and the age-old boys are physically superior may not necessarily be true. I mean, I liked the article. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting. Um the point that she made about that one girl in youth sports who was just put through the ringer mm -hmm. to play up with boys. I'm saying play up with boys. and I Play with boys. Play with boys. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was kind of bullshit. Yeah. Um, the take about size matters was interesting to me. Like, if you're going to measure a female... Be based on size like how come the the small boys can just so i think when it comes to youth sports the way i like you can if you want to play up play up like if if girls want to play with boys and they can make the team i think there has to be tryouts then sure. make the team sure when it gets to the professional level i fall in a different camp I don't think we can even talk about the professional level i don't oh, think really? there's any argument <laughs> yeah cuz it's no. like I, I look at track and field like yeah. the men's records are lower than yeah. the women's records. Yeah. Now, if a woman wants to compete with the men, because they like in the hundred meter dash, maybe a a woman can take fourth or fifth or third. Sure. To have a man drop down and race against women, I don't I don't see how that can happen. So. Okay, so I have a totally different opinion and take on this article than you do. I hated every word in it. And every word? This, the statements that this person makes and tries to pass it off as fact is, is exactly one of the things that I get so upset about because people that are so-called journalists just write stuff that's absolutely patently false, like 2 plus 2 equals 5, and they expect everybody to... To nod their heads. I mean, I'm going to, the quote that she says here, um, maintaining this binary in youth sports, it reinforces the idea that boys are inherently bigger, faster, and stronger than girls in a competitive setting. A notion that's been challenged by scientists for years. What? What scientist has challenged that notion for years, Maggie? That is a bald-faced lie. And this, Didn't this, she go into the article deeper saying about about psychiatrists and psychologists who were challenging it that it was it was based on complete bullshit on not biology but by their environment? <laughs> right. What about biology? Uh, listen, are there plenty of women who are more athletic, bigger, stronger than some men? 
Of course. In youth sports, probably it there's a, a lot. Generalization, yeah. though, to sit here and make this whole art article about the fact that, I mean, her final sentence is amazing. Um, <clears throat> as long as the laws and general practice of sports remain rooted in the idea that one sex is inherently inferior, young athletes will continue to learn and internalize this harmful lesson. Inferior, she threw that word in there intentionally to make this a political thing. Nobody's talking about inferiority. We're talking about physical strength, speed, capability. Meg, what do you got? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I'm somewhere in the middle. Definitely don't feel as strongly about this at all as as you do. Um, I, I guess in my personal experience, which is where this would come from, I can't imagine, and I was an athlete my entire life, I can't imagine competing against men. Like even playing sports with my brothers who are far like less athletic than me, they're bigger and stronger. And it's, and again, like I'm not, I, I guess that's, I don't want to generalize, but I, there has to be a separation. I don't think that from a inclusive standpoint, women would have as much opportunity as they currently do if the competition was mixed sex, right? Women would be set back in the sense that there wouldn't be as much women competing if the competitors were men. Yeah. Yes, 100%. I think But what I took from her article was they shouldn't be excluded if they can compete. But she she reaches out and, and she's quoting some sociology professor in Canada. Um, and this is the quote she got from this professor. There are some boys who also could get really hurt if they were competing against other boys in contact sports. No shit. They don't play like the, the little kid's not going to play football then because he can't he can't hang. Right. Right. So don't sit there and, and make a quote like that as if. To your point, Jeff, like the exclusion inclusion thing, the boys will self-select themselves out of the sport that they can't hang with, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's not what she's saying here. This is the, that's what I mean about these articles. They're so disingenuous and full of just, you know, assumptions and statements that are just baseless. I think she used a lot of stats and and language that triggered you. <laughs> yeah, I think. Getting back to the original example that she was given was why was this girl put through the ringer when she can compete at a level with these boys? And if she wants to, why isn't she allowed to? And with that, I'm like, yeah, if you can compete, like Meg, if you can make the boys varsity team in high school, you should play on it. If you want to. If I want to. If you want to play for the girls varsity team and dominate there. But, but she's making the, the argument that there should not there should be, be a no boys separation. and girls uh, team. It should be one team and come come one, come all. Yeah, I, well, is, I didn't get that from that, and that's probably just because I missed it. No, I don't. I don't think it's it's something you miss. I think it's it's maybe overarching. It's not deliberate in how she's saying it, but she's suggesting that there should be no boys or girls. It should be boys and girls. Yeah, and I kind of ignored that because I'm like, yeah. I felt like that's just a ridiculous statement. <laughs> right. And so I, I think just kind of ignored it. That's my trick. Because yeah. that, to me, yeah. that's the whole article is she's making yeah. that. But I just... This particular example that she's describing for this young woman in the Bronx 
who had to go through a legitimate physical in order to be to determine whether or not she could compete when someone two years younger and much smaller who happens to be a boy just got to sign up. Of course, is that – yes. Like I, everyone would agree. If there's girls who want to, sure. I don't, I don't know that like – there's just not going to be enough girls who want to give up the opportunity to excel among females to then possibly play among dudes. Right. And I think the older we get – you know, when you're in second and third grade, who cares? When you're in middle school, probably not that big of a deal. But we're talking about like a freshman girl and a high school senior dude. Like that's completely two different humans. A freshman girl and a senior girl. A freshman dude and a senior boy. Like when you talk about mixing pools at those levels and then you go to the college level, and like I said, I don't even think you can touch professional. Like it, there would be no place for women. And I'm not saying that as – somebody who doesn't firmly believe that women are accomplished and deserve the place. It's that there we're, we're just not the same. Yes. Yeah, so and I don't think that should be insulting to anybody. Like, yeah, I agree. But Jeff, you're right. Like the, the example of the, of the girl that wanted to play football and they made her, mm-hmm. how many pull-ups can you do? And they put her through all these things. Of course. But I'm, I'm looking at the title of this article. Separating sports by sex doesn't make sense. That's yeah. the conclusion. I didn't, even, yeah. I, didn't even, I didn't even read the title of the article. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I mean, when you get to high school, I mean, that's why freshman boys don't make the, the, the varsity football team. Right. Because they're just not big and strong enough. And yep. they'll get murdered if they go out there. Yep. Even if it's a freshman girl, like she'll get murdered if she goes out there. It's why we separate sports by age. It's why certain sports have weight classes. Like, if we think about the reason we play sports, it's to compete. And by compete, you hope to play against people who are of similar abilities. Separating by age, by weight, and by sex allows us to do that. If we didn't, and it was just one pool of people, everybody competing for the same spots, then we'd have like 12 athletes and everybody else. We'd have all of the LeBron James and everybody else. Like, then then nobody gets to play sports. How is that fun or fair? Right. I think women who want to should. I just personally don't think there's many of them. Yeah, there's probably not. Yeah probably not a whole lot of women that are like i want to go play at that level with them all right maybe something slightly less controversial um we came across an article on forbes that talked about <clears throat> explanations for work performance and it led to a little bit of a more general discussion around different forms of mental and emotional testing, IQ tests, standardized education tests, personality tests, and those types of things have been around for a long time. So today we'll kind of talk about their usefulness and how much they do or should matter. So, I mean, I brought this up because like, I've always been kind of fascinated by the IQ test. I don't remember if I've ever taken one. I probably have taken one. And that's why I don't remember because I probably didn't <laughs> score so well on it. Um, but have been curious, like, sh- like, when's the last time either one of you have taken an IQ test, if you've ever taken one? I mean, again, I know I took one in elementary school, and that might have been the last time. Yeah, if mine would have been in 
low level school. And and I'm saying in school, I don't know if it was specifically an IQ test, but it was some sort of um, something to measure intelligence to determine whether or not I was if I should be in gifted programs, like if I if I wasn't going to sit in the regular math class, I was going to go somewhere else for math or somewhere else for English. So I sat, I went from my normal population of classroom to a smaller group of kids. So you were in a gifted program. I was, yeah. Okay. I Mike, was. I'm assuming you were also in gifted <laughs> programs. Yeah, I had the same experience as Meg. <laughs> but and then in, and then in high school, it was like you took honors classes yeah. or AP classes. Like there wasn't a gifted program that you just took more difficult classes. What's AP? Advanced placement. placement. Yeah, it wasn't an honors or AP either. I kind of just meandered around at that kind of average level. I guess this all leads to standardized testing generally, right? Like SATs and all that kind of stuff. What's your take um, on those? I think I can understand that testing people's aptitude, you know, math, English, whatever it is, um, I can understand you want to have something to standardize, to, yeah. to be able to maybe draw some conclusions, but I think they're bullshit. I mean, I think there's people that are good test takers. I was one of them. I had hardly any problem with um, memorization of stuff. That's one of the biggest factors, in my opinion, biggest success factors mm -hmm. in school is regurgitation ability. Um, so I did generally always pretty well on those things, but I think they're, I think they're, near useless for predicting success in a job or at a, at a um, educationally. Or but colleges whatever. rely on them pretty heavily. Well, right? they, but that's less gone and away. Less. I mean, yeah. Will, um, Will did not have to submit scores, SATs, because they weren't great. And it worked in his favor. Um, yeah, they allow you to do like test optional. Yeah. I know this is very ignorant of me to say, because I'm not talking, like there, there's no, I'm sure a teacher or someone in, in, a, in a college what are they called? Admissions. Admissions. Yeah. Would, would be able to answer that. But like, I don't see any reason for SATs. Right? Like if Other I have. You have, like, like I was saying, I think there's an attempt to try to level the playing it, field of applicants so that you can compare a kid who goes to school in California at whatever school to somebody else who's. You go to school in California. You have the same grades as me. We, we Different school though. We Different both, everything. we both work outside of school. We both are involved in, 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 in um, sports and clubs. And just because you scored a 1200 on your SAT and I scored a 950, you get in, or we're going to select you because of that. And because that's going to give us a, a better potential alumni. That's exactly it. I just don't think it makes any sense. There is no, there is like, show me the, the black and white connect the dots that, yep, we've we've made that selection. This kid, we selected this kid over that kid, and that worked out for us. That kid uh, graduated, that we took, graduated, and became a very successful um, entrepreneur and now donates to our, because that's what they're doing. I mean, they want to accept kids that will get good jobs and then donate back to them. I believe, though, I don't know this, I would I would guess there's this correlation between high, higher SAT scores and success. Because, in part, it the, might demonstrate some aspect of diligence and effort and that kind of thing. That I'm not saying I believe this, but I think there's got to be something there. There is a correlation between success and SAT scores. Why are, why are schools relying on SAT scores less? <laughs> because, well, number one, there was, there was uh, COVID was, yeah. was part of that. And then number two, there's a lot of controversy about 
whether they're biased towards certain races and groups and things like that. So um, I think the answer is a little complicated there, but... I think we've also gotten to the point where higher institutions have kind of established themselves in, in a hierarchy, meaning we have the Ivies, we have the Ivy adjacent, we like we have these marketing programs at these schools at, that have benefited immensely from years and years and years of this type of testing so that maybe the need to select from scores is less because kids self-select. like. I'm a Harvard level student or my parents tell me I'm Harvard or my parents went to Harvard. You know, I think for years it was, you, you were trying to, I believe that these tests afford what you're saying, right? Good students who get good jobs who end up becoming good alumni. But then I think it's also the ability for these schools to hold themselves out as we're ranked here in terms of the applicants that we accept, right? It it may it, it creates a level of exclusivity that benefits the institutions from a monetary standpoint. A lot of that has kind of already been set. I'm not saying that schools aren't going to change and some schools are going to be better, but like the tiers of academic institutions that exist in this country kind of are. So they don't have to rely on selecting the best students necessarily because they get the best students to apply or they get the students that are of their caliber to apply. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it's there's a huge like onion to peel because like you look at socioeconomically, <clears throat> you're more likely to have an easier road in, in your career if you come from, say, wealthy parents, right? Mm -hmm and all these like SAT prep courses and other ways to boost your score that many other people don't have access to actually produces results mm -hmm. and, sure. and, and increases your chances of going to that Ivy, let's say, and then becoming that coveted alumni because you, you come from the right stock, quote unquote. Right? That's exactly why I think they're just bullshit. I agree. I mean, I yeah. Did, yeah. I mean, that's, you got a kid who's busting their ass that doesn't have the means to take an SAT prep course, but is just a killer and gets excluded because of that. And maybe so I'm every, jaded because- Every I, kid should get into every school they apply to? No, not at all. But I think I, I think boiling it down to the SAT score as a, or a standardized test as the determining factor, whether you should take someone or not. I, I, I don't know if, and I, I would question that there's a correlation there that that's the better candidate. When I took a standardized test for my first job and I said, you'll, you will not be successful in business. Like, Excuse me. I just don't think, I don't think they're accurate. I, I don't think they tell the whole story is a, is a better way to say it. They definitely don't tell the whole story. But I think to Mike's point, there has to be some connection at some point that like they told enough of the story. And maybe it's just less now. Yeah. So you're saying, Jeff, if you have two identical candidates from different parts of the country that have done the same, they have the same GPA, same course load, same activities, um, you're not in favor of breaking the tie by looking at how they do on a test? I would probably break the tie by wanting to have like a discussion with the person to see how that person carries themselves or like their theme paper, whatever it is they got to submit. Like, yeah. What, how, how to, but even that could be, but that's written objective, by, that right? Be written by or subjective, else. I guess. Yeah. 
that yeah, I, I mean, I think the test score is. So what? So you got you did well on your SATs. Who gives a shit? Apparently, all the colleges in the country. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Maybe I'm just jaded because I didn't do well on my SATs. But we also talked about you know the the GMATs or the LSATs or mm-hmm. the MCATs, which are the you know getting into post college, you know, law school, med, med school, whatever, um, business school. Like same thing there. Mm-hmm. They they use a measuring stick there to weed out the candidates. Um, I just don't know how else you do it. You couldn't, you couldn't possibly logistically have like in-person interviews. Yeah. I mean, college is expensive enough as it is. How would that even work? Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I was have my own college. <laughs> I do interviews to get in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We want to go to our top five. Sure. Sure. Top five sitcom theme songs. Who wants to go first? I will. I mean, I think there might be a lot of overlap. So, like, number five for me was Facts of Life. Right. Because it's just catchy. Um, number four for me was The Jeffersons, Moving On Up. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you hear it, like, everybody knows, Moving On Up. I mean, everybody knows it. Like, I don't. To so. the east side. <laughs> yeah. You're too young. Um, number three for me is A-Team. I mean, the tune is just catchy. Okay. Uh, Don't know that one either. Number two is Sanford and Son. Again, it's it's the I had that. It's the tune. <laughs> it's a great. Tune. It's a great tune. And then number one for me. I mean, if, when you hear it, you just sing it like Gilligan's Island. I cannot believe you didn't have one that I have. Like, how do you not sing Gilligan's Island when someone else is singing it? I don't know that song either. Really? Yeah. When they start going through the names, the yeah. professor ran. <laughs> I mean, you have to sing it. All right, sorry, that was it. So, who's next? Go ahead, Mike. I'll go. Um, I did have Sanford and Son on mine, but um, another one I have on here, and it's purely the tune. It's Barney Miller. And by the way, I never watched a single episode of Barney Miller. So, oh, that's a show. Yeah, okay. but it's just like the bass line going boom, boom. <laughs> um, that's just a good. Wait, a Barney good Miller isn't all in the family. No. That's a totally different totally show. Totally different show. Okay. Yeah. I've got Married with Children. It's a good one. Oh, that's a good one. Just because the song is yeah. funny for funny. Now, yeah. that's a real song, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. Um, I have The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Can't believe you didn't have that. Yeah. I'm, I'm protesting Will Smith, like 100% completely. Why? Because he slapped Chris Rock. Oh, my God. Are yeah. you kidding? No. No, that's why I didn't make my list. I'm done with him. You're kidding. I'm not Are kidding. you being serious I'm right now? I'm dead serious. I'm done with Will Smith. I'm done <laughs> with him. That's insane. No, it's not. Yes, it is. I hope his is. next movie that comes out fails, which is coming out soon. I hope no one goes to see it. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry to take away from your top five. I am shocked. I think he's a child. And I, I don't support anything he does anymore. Someone was talking shit on your wife. You wouldn't punch them in the face. After I was laughing at their joke. No, probably not. I would look like a fool. You would punch someone in the face. Don't sit in the front row. If they said less about Melissa than what he said about Jada. Don't sit in the front row at a comedy show. All right. All right. Sorry, Mike. Um, I'll just go. My last one is uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm simply because it's like eight seconds long and it gets right into the show. There's like no real. It's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we don't need like a whole intro. Let's just go. Steven texted me like an hour ago. I was like, I know Mike's number one is going to be Curb. Curb. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, I had Fresh Prince. 
I also just have beef with this generally because like skip intro has changed the game. Like I don't listen to theme songs. Sure. Uh, so just want to point that out. Uh, Brady Bunch. I mean, it's it's an it's an all time. It's iconic, even if the yeah. show is corny and yeah. kind of weird. Here's a story. Like you have to sing it when right. it comes on. Right. Right. Um, of a man named Brady. <laughs> the, uh, similarly, the Full House soundtrack. Everywhere you go. Oh, I cannot stand <laughs> the Full House theme song. It's not a soundtrack theme song. Thank you. I want to just throw the TV out the window every time it comes on. Okay, well, since I didn't know four, five of your five, I'm going to assume that there's one that I would hate as well. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Um, so I, I put the New Girls theme song on here because it's like, it's it's literally like perfect for the show. Yeah, Who's that, that girl? It's it's just perfect for what okay. the show is. Um, and then the Office theme song. I don't know it. I never watched the Office. There's no words. Um, it's just a, it's just a it's tune, just, just a jingle. It's just an instrumental, yeah. if you will. So yeah, I guess this was more of a generational top five because when in Mike and, and my generation, you couldn't fast forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you had to listen to the theme songs if you're watching your show. Yeah, which I listened to the Full House theme song. That would have been of that. Yeah. Generation. For me, and I guess the Fresh Prince a little bit. Brady Bunch was before my time, but everybody knows that song. All right. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. See ya.